if you want the world to notice you, you have to get out in the world to be noticed. Hi, this is Kutsianaki, and welcome to the season five finale of Down to the Struts, the podcast about disability, design, and intersectionality. Today, we'll listen in on my conversation with Michael Williams. Michael is a member of the International Association of Sight-Impaired Artists. He is both a visual artist and a music composer under the name Epic Soundwaves. Michael and I talked about his artistic techniques, what drew him to add electronic music composition to his artistic portfolio, and how his art wound up in the collection of our 44th president. Okay, let's get down to it. Thank you, Michael, for joining me on the podcast today. I'm really excited to have you. I'd love if you could start by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about what got you interested in art and music. Thank you. It's good to be here. I've been painting since the age of 10, and I will reflect back to the time that I first got involved in art. Uh, Most sons, they would go about reflecting on their career choice on based on a father's career. And I took a twist. I decided to take my interest in art based on what my mother does. She's a professional artist as well. And watching her paint uh, for a few weeks, or really a few months, I decided to take an interest in, into painting. And, and most of the time when you're visually impaired or have some form of low vision or any type of disability, you, you get that doubt set in, but to me, it was just like a certainty that was ready to fan out. And, 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 ex- and I had, it was a great way for me to express myself about how I feel and how I see the world based on my, on my sight. You can say uh, limited vision, but to me, it was a, a big vision to take on being an artist because most of the world doesn't, haven't heard of being uh a blind or sight impaired artist before. And it was something for me to try to pursue. And so I picked up a paintbrush and started drawing and painting cars and aviation. And the next thing you know, I'm advancing up to architecture. And I knew then that this was going to be the thing. And of course I did pursue trying to be in the band like my uncle, but uh, I lost interest in that very quickly and went back to painting and drawing. And this, the story continues on to today as being a professional sight and pair artist. That's really great. And you had low vision from childhood, is that right? Correct. Uh, I had I have what they call Stargardt disease, which is a macular degenerative type of disorder. The, the funny thing is, I knew I was different, and I knew I uh, couldn't see well, but I was trying to go along as normal as possible. And it's the type of disability that starts when you're a teenager and it stabilizes itself when you get in your mid twenties. And it's, it remains in that set of, of based on what, uh, how low your vision is based on the disease. It's never has occurred to me to the fact that uh, I would have something that you would really fear that it would get worse, but it uh, stabilized itself and I've been uh, able to get around and be as independent as ever. I still can see some. The only problem is, is that when I do paint, you know, most 
painters are able to tell the difference in in value in reds, blues, or greens, but I paint according to how I feel. And I'll just go and roll with the punches as far as taking what colors I feel is 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 best to fit that painting and go with it. And to that end, could you tell us a little bit about your creative process, the mediums you use, how you go about thinking up a work and working on it and 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 kind of how that process works for you as an of course, artist? Of course. Well, when I first got started, I was working with just pencil. And then as I advanced into uh, commercial art, even though I'm a self-taught artist, I was introduced into what they call pen and ink rendering. And I fell in love with it. So I was able to take a combination of utilizing pen and ink and watercolor washes. And I had, uh, back in uh, my 20s, I had started uh, publishing uh, my own prints. And what I would do is I would uh, pencil them in, where I would go out and photograph whatever subject matter I was interested in. At that time, it was just mostly items in the Memphis area, uh, especially with architecture. And so I would uh, go out and photograph them, pencil them in, and go over them with pen and ink, and, um, and then use a light hand wash and um, make uh, these paintings, better yet, these limited edition prints, originals by me hand painting them. Uh, it's a process that I use magnifiers, uh, both uh, traditional handheld magnifiers, and then I have electronic, uh, which is, is called a CCTV, which enables me to enlarge certain um, items on field. I, I will say it's um, a combination of an electronic magnifier on a, on a computer monitor. I love that. I love using these technology hacks to try to, uh, you know, reimagine how painting is done. We think about it in such a traditional way, but there's so many different ways to create visual art. And I, I love your process. And what are some of the messages you hope to convey in your work? Well, the thing is that society seems to have a mindset to place limitation on us. And if we don't have them already embedded in us. And my message is to allow individuals to be as free as possible, express yourself in any way that you necessarily feel comfortable in doing. Never allow anyone to place a limitation on you. No one has the right to do it. And at the same time, a society seems to think that when you have a form of disability, you don't have any ability to contribute to societies, or you have a certain way that you should be acting if you have a disability. And then they consider you as not being normal. And who is to say what normalcy is? Normalcy is how you feel, how you accept yourself, how you love yourself from within. And it's expecting the world to accept you for who you are. First, you have to accept yourself for who you are and be free to uh, express yourself in any form of fashion you can. I have no shame in telling people that I'm vision impaired when I go out and show them my artwork. The, the, the thing, the, what I get the kick out of is having them to look at the expression on their face and they want to look at every detail that I put into it. And I don't mind them doing that because to me, it's funny to allow them to have that awesome look on their face as if this can't be possible that you're blind or in this case, partially sighted, this is not possible for you to be an artist. 
but it, it is possible for anyway for anyone to have who have a dream to go out and pursue that dream and push it to the limit. Do you have a favorite piece of work that you feel conveys those ideas? And if that's if that's the case, could you describe it for us? It's hard to put a favor over one. It's just like telling, you know, your, your parents, choose the best child. Who's the better <laughs> child? And, and to me, it's impossible to do. But what I do is I, I love to do architecture. And some of the buildings that I go out there is either uh, in my neighborhood or if I find something online that's a very interesting uh, architecture piece, I'll do it. And then if I am not satisfied with what I see, then I'll come up with some type of scenery, uh, just think it up. I get a lot of uh, pleasure thinking things up, uh, different scenarios, different scenes. And I try to try to keep it as realistic as possible, but sometimes it's good to have a little fantasy. And, and people, when I do put out a painting that I've made up, they say, oh, that reminds me of a certain place, but it's not really an actual place. It's just a place that I made up. <laughs> but it, it's, it's a, you get a kick out of how these individuals are able to relate to something, even though you just thought about it. And it's, 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 it's a fun thing to do. And it's the same thing about the music. When I go into music, mm. I'll do something. If I, if I feel that I can uh, come up with a piece, uh, I'll have different types of uh, tempos, different sounds that I use in my library. And it's the same thing with my art. I'll just think something up. If I like it, I'll just work with it. And if I don't like it, cause I'll just destroy it. Because there have been times that I've had uh, a music piece that I'll be about 80% finished. And then I'll train my ear to listen. And if it doesn't sound right, I just scrapped the whole project and just start all over again. And it's the same thing with my painting. Is by I'm not satisfied with how the painting is before I sign my name on it. It's scrapped and I'll start all over. So tell me a little bit more about your interest in music, which is a bit newer. You mentioned earlier you sort of tried to take up being in a band earlier on in life, but kind of moved away from that more towards the visual arts. But what, what got you interested in, in pursuing music more recently? Um, it's listening to different uh, artists. I, one of my, several of my favorite artists are Ryan Farish and uh, Anya, if I, I pronounce that right. And they do basically electronic music. So I have been wanting to do this for a long time, ever since I was in my uh, 30s. And I was wondering how I could get my music out there. How could I produce it? And so during the pandemic, I was uh, doing some more research back in 2020. And I ran across uh, several magazines. One was called Electronic Music. And it was showing how you could take different samples and uh, different um, um, electronics uh, like uh, synthesizers and make your own music up as well as have building up a sound library. So I tried it uh, back in, I think, December 2020, I worked on my first song that was called Rebound. And I was very satisfied with it. So I produced it back in uh, January 24th of 2021, to be exact. So I distributed through uh, a distributor who put it out there through Spotify, iTunes, and people start liking it. And I, 
ever since then I put out a total of 18 soundtracks uh, since uh, December of uh, last year. That's wonderful. And I was reading an article that one of your paintings was acquired by President Obama. Can you tell us the story of how that happened and what work he acquired and, ha and how? Yes, it, it was fun. I had a couple of co-workers uh, that were saying, uh, Michael, you need to submit one of your paintings to the President of the United States. And I said, ah, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do it. So a couple of years would go by and something down on me, Michael, this may be a good time to uh, submit an art piece to the President of the United States. So what happened was I had won an art competition through the American Friendly House for the Blind. And it's an art competition that encouraged people who are blind vision impaired to submit their artwork from all over the world. So I did a snow thing and it was just something that it was just a spur out of the moment type of setting. And it was hot that day anyway. And so I decided, well, why don't I do something to cool myself off? And I decided to work on this snow scene. Little what I know the following year, back in uh, spring of, uh, I, I want to say 2017, it, it might have been later than that. I uh, got a letter from American Print Health for the Blind telling me congratulations that the art piece had won and it would be featured in their calendar. So, I was excited. Once I got the art piece back, I decided to submit it to President Obama. And I submitted not only that piece, it was called Winter Wonderland, W-A-N-D-E-R-L-A-N-D. And I submitted one of my mother's uh, paintings. And I got a letter of a year later uh, telling me from the president himself saying that he was just so, he felt so wonderful accepting these gifts and he um, said that they would be part of his uh, collection. And so to me, that was an honor. And it would be one of three letters that I would receive from him during the course of his term. And I almost felt like we were pen pals. I would write him so much. So that was the story. I sent him the also a calendar, I believe, with the painting feature in there as well. That's so Cool. That's a wonderful, wonderful story. And is this uh, art composition uh, competition still in existence with the American Printing House for the Blind? I believe it is. Uh, you know, with the pandemic out, uh, it's been some changes and it's been a while. It's been a matter of fact, it's been a couple of years since I submitted an art piece uh, due to the fact that the pandemic had caused a lot of changes. But it is a yearly event, and what you could, what an individual can do is go to aph.org mm -hmm. and see if they're they're uh, putting a submit, uh, you know, sponsoring the art competition. It is it's a great way for uh, people who are into art or want to be into art, but feel like they don't know where to submit the art piece because of their disability. In this case, sight impairment. It's a great competition to to uh, express yourself in. That's great, and that leads me to my my last question, which is, what advice would you have for disabled artists or aspiring disabled artists who want to who want to do this work? And, and as I stated earlier, don't let anybody put limitations on you and say that you can't do it, because if they knew everything, first of all, they would be pushing you in the right direction. Sometimes you have to be your own publicist to get, you, you get yourself out there. 
and nobody knows you better than yourself. I mean, you could get a, a publicist out there to tell everything about you, but you know more about you than anybody. And there could be some things that could spark people's interest that the publicist didn't know of and, and, and get you on well on the way in, in whatever aspects of art that you want to be into, whether it's music, art, drawing, painting, dancing, singing, whatever it takes. You have to get out there. And I use this, this notion that if you want the world to notice you, you have to get out in the world to be noticed. You can't sit on the sidelines. This is not a sideline type event. And the world, the only way the world know about you is just to put yourself out there. Because to be all honestly, the world's too busy to pay attention to us if we are just going to remain silent and not be willing to stand up and, and speak out about who we are and what we're able to do because if you're sitting there the world doesn't care about whether or not we exist what it cares about is how well are we going to be out there representing ourselves and also contributing to society and and to be honest with you we have unlimited resources unlimited talent that the world need to know about and if you are sitting there now thinking about what you should do if it's on your mind, it's telling you that you should do it right now. That's really good advice. And I I often feel like I need to take that advice myself. So thank you for that. And where can people find your work, Michael? I have two sites. One is for my art, which is called uh, www.brightbrightpointgallery.com. That's all one word. Uh, my music is on Spotify and it's under the artist name Epic E P I C Sound S O U N D Waves W A V E S. I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, Bandcamp, and SoundCloud, as well as Twitter. Thank you. And we'll provide links to all of those resources in our show notes. Um, well, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you, Michael. I really enjoyed learning about your art and your creative process. And I hope My that pleasure. our listeners will visit your website and experience your beautiful art. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening to season five of Down to the Struts. This season, we heard from artists, scholars, and youth activists, all dedicated to building a more accessible, inclusive, and just world. I'd like to thank each and every one of our guests for their contributions in the movement for disability justice. This season would also not be possible without the energy and creativity of our audio producer, Alana Nevins, and our social media manager, Avery Annapole. With special thanks to Claire Shanley for designing our logo and to Eiffel Gangsta Beats for our theme music. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Down to the Struts and be sure to join our Facebook group, Down to the Struts Podcast, for the latest updates and to join our growing community. You can also subscribe to the Down to the Struts newsletter on Substack for monthly podcast updates, news from the disability community, and actions you can take to move us further on the path to disability justice. Thanks again, as always, to all those who listened in this season. If you like what you heard, please share the podcast with a friend and spread the word. And of course, stay tuned so we can get back down to it in season six. Thank you.
And on our way out, with special thanks to Michael Williams, here's more of the track Rainforest that we heard earlier in the episode. 